We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. We're delighted to have you with us. We're going to talk about what that new caregiver should know. And before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about Carol. She's Senior Vice President of Social Responsibility and the Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She has a master's degree in social gerontology from the University of the Incarnate Word. In 2017, she was a top 50 influencer in aging, named so by Next Avenue, the digital journalism arm of the PBS system. Carol Zerniel, this is such an important topic. So many people, as we speak, will suddenly become caregivers. Well, that's it. I, you know, I, I haven't seen the little ticker like you see in Times Square counting something, the number of people who quit smoking. But or the world population. Yeah, the, if you were to put the number of people who become caregivers, I mean, you would see that number moving on, on a minute-by-minute minute basis. Well, we've got a specialist with us. Uh, Pamela Wilson will be talking with us about tips for the new caregiver. She is an international resource for caregiving, specializing in the field of aging, caregiving, and health. Been doing it since 1999. For over 20 years, caregivers and aging adults have trusted her to provide support for solving and managing caregiving duties and issues. Her experience and approachable manner give caregivers and aging adults peace of mind that solutions exist for common and complex caregiving problems. And it is great to have you with us, Pamela Wilson. Ron, it's great to be here. Hello, Carol. Hello. Somebody today, as we speak, will become a caregiver. And one of the first things you said to me when we talked off air, one of the things many don't realize is they're a caregiver. Yes, it's it's amazing the number of people, if you talk to them, who will say, well, you know, I'm just helping out mom or dad, or I'm helping grandma or grandpa. and you know, things are getting more difficult. I'm like, well, do you realize that you are a caregiver? And they don't until they sometimes get into a doctor's office and somebody calls them a caregiver. And then they're thinking, well, what's that? Is that me? <laughs> what does the caregiver do? Which is a lot of what they're already doing, but a lot of what they don't know that they're going to be doing. And we often talk in San Antonio how in uh, the Spanish language, uh, there often is no word for caregiver. Right. There is not. And there's no word for, um, I want to say, burden or heavy load. I, I spoke to um, a colleague who works at the University of Connecticut. She's a researcher, and she does a lot with the Hispanic, Hispanic population. And you're correct. There's no word for, for all these challenges of caregiving in that population. Well, Pamela, how did you get interested in this work? Not a lot of people are attracted to either <laughs> caregiving or the field of aging. Oh, I, I laugh at that because people will say, well, why do you want to do that? <laughs> you know, it actually started at a very young age. I grew up among family members who were much older. I played around my grandparents and my aunts and uncles. And so when I was in high school, I started looking into what I didn't realize was caregiving. I started looking into social work. 
And, and I didn't take it. I detoured. I went into corporate America for a long time. But then my parents passed away and my sister got killed in a car accident and my brother died. And I thought, you know, I'm not doing anything to help people. What was that thing I was going to do, you know, when I was 18? And so I switched careers in 1999. And, and here I am today. Well, sorry about all the loss in your family. You know, I, I appreciate that. But it's really, it gives me compassion and, and understanding for the people that I work with who are going through this. Well, for those who are listening, who are yet to become a caregiver, or for the new caregiver who knows they are, what are some of the tips you pass on to begin that process? What do we need to know? You know, one of the first things, and, and I'll use an example. So I had a caregiver who contacted me today and she said, oh my gosh, my husband's parents, my, you know, the father-in-law had a stroke and and my husband's having to go live there and we were going to have children and all this. She goes, what do I do? And I said, well, you've got to talk about it. So, so what rarely ever happens is when a loved one gets sick and a child has to show up or a spouse, whoever, there's no conversation about what does this mean for our relationship? What does this mean for our life? What does this mean if this gets worse? So really the first thing is to talk about it, which people don't realize is important. And then to talk about the effects on how it's going to you know, affect the person who needs care and the caregiver and, and what's possible. Well, you know, and that's that conversation is so important because you have unintended consequences, unintended collateral damage um, and thinking about your whole family and your it, a lot of people are just focused on mom or dad without realizing it does impact everyone in your life when you detour off to become a caregiver. We'll continue the conversation in a moment, but let me let folks know who just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and our special guest, Pamela Wilson. And we're talking about beginning that caregiving process. Pamela? Carol, you brought up a really great point, and you, you're probably familiar with this term, but I'm going to mention it, and then I'll explain it. Social determinants of health. It's, it's an acronym. It's SDOH. A lot of healthcare providers use it, but, but it hits the point that you meant about these unintended consequences. Caregivers don't think about how caregiving affects their work or their finances or their family relationships or even their parents. Can their parents pay their bills? Are they getting good nutrition? It's really all of these other non-medical things that stresses caregivers out and that causes more chronic health problems. But we don't think about that. So what you, you mentioned having a conversation. So you got a situation, you sit down the family, you talk about what does this mean? What could it look like? What's the next thing we should do? You know, the next thing is to look at also the culture of your family, because as we were talking, the Hispanic culture, the Asian culture, even, even the black culture, they're very dutiful and very responsible. And so in these situations, it usually falls on, I hate to say it, but a daughter who's the caregiver. And there may be an expectation that this daughter or granddaughter gives up everything. They don't get married. They don't get a job. They give up a job. So, so it's having these conversations, but then it's also looking at how your culture affects caregiving and if that's something as the caregiver you're willing to do, I talk to a lot of caregivers and they say, you know, this is the culture in my family and I don't want to continue this. I don't want to proliferate this because 
it's going to make me as the caregiver need care from, if I have children, my children. So it's the trickle down effect that, that we want to talk about too, of if the expectations are that one person in the family gives up everything, what does that do for the next generation and the next generation? And can the person say, you know, I don't want to be your caregiver. I'm out of here. Some children do. And a lot of that depends. So, so the next thing that I'll say to talk about is if you have siblings, so brothers and sisters, um, some people are an only child and, and they don't have a choice. But if you have siblings, bring your siblings into the conversation and see if they will participate and if they can help. Because what happens a lot of times is that one child will just do it all until they burn out and break down. And then they ask for help. But the problem is they've already set up this expectation that they're going to do it all. So the other children are like, why would I help now? You've, you've been doing a great job. Keep, keep it up. I'm, I'm going to go on with my life. You've got to ask for help early on before you even need the help so that later on when things get tough, family members may or may not pitch in, but at least you've asked. Now, does that mean more than just saying help? You need to get specific. You have to get very specific about roles and responsibilities. So in our family, my parents were sick most of my young life. I was kind of like the organizer, the financial one. I had a sister who was a nurse, so she dealt with a lot of the medical stuff. I had a brother and a sister who were kind of like the handyman type people. So they would fix things around mom and dad's house and they would take them places. And then I had a brother who was a priest, so he would deal with their spiritual. So we kind of all divided up the tasks. And so if you have siblings in a family, what are your siblings good at? What, what do they want to do? How can they contribute? You know, sometimes it may only be, you know, money. Maybe they can, you know, buy groceries or pay bills or do things like that. But, but sometimes it is time. And so those are important conversations to have. Well, what I hear you saying is even if I don't have a, a talented family or a family that's willing to help is I really need a team that caregiving is a team sport and it, I'm probably not going to succeed as well if it's just me. No, it's so hard on the primary caregivers and their health, mental health, well-being, physical health, well-being. And even so, this is the other thing that caregivers don't consider. If they're the only one taking care of mom and dad and, and nobody else is involved, nobody comes to visit, family, friends, the parents get isolated, right? That isolation, loneliness, depression is bad for health. And, and the other members of the family could help. But then to your point, there's also doctors, nurses, other people, um, neighbors who might be able to help out, friends of your parents. So you do have to form that little care team early on so that your parents are exposed to other people besides only you as that caregiver. And that, that requires me to be willing to not be the perfect caregiver, right? I have to admit that that other people can do things. Maybe they don't do it as well as I do, but I'm going to go ahead and let them give it their best shot. Carol, that is a great point. I call it the over-controlling caregiver. You know, so some caregivers will say, well, you know, I asked so-and-so and they won't help or they don't do it the way that I do. And I said, here's the thing. You need help. As long as the help comes and it does something, stop wanting to control what that person does because you're going to drive them away. And then you won't have anybody to help. So accept that you're not perfect and nobody else is perfect and just accept the help. And as you think about the kind of help that you may need for the person who just becomes the caregiver, and we're talking about new caregivers here, uh, is it helpful to get an understanding and maybe a list of the kinds of support and services you'll need? 
It's so important to think about the future. So what does this look like one year, three years, five years from now? And, and most importantly, what do your parents want? So if they want to stay at home, it would be, okay, what services will help mom or dad stay at home? Or if they're going to run out of money, do I need to look at Medicaid or, you know, other types of volunteer services? Or if they're probably going to have to move out of their home, what is this living cost? How are we going to pay for that? So it's, it's kind of, what do your parents want? What do you all agree that you can do? And then you've got to kind of go down those different paths to find out what services are available. Let's talk about the money part in just a moment, because a whole lot of folks don't understand what Medicare covers and what it doesn't cover. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Pamela Wilson, our guest, talking about the new caregiver, what she or he should know in order to survive doing it. Carol Zerniel is here, our co-host. Delighted to have you on board. Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We are so pleased you're sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Fascinating conversation with Pamela Wilson. She is an expert on caregiving, especially for the new caregiver, what he or she should know and what they ought to do. And Pamela, you were suggesting uh, that you have a course on your website that is free, uh, 60 hours worth. Uh, Walk us through that. So it's a course that I developed based on all the years that I was a care manager, medical power of attorney, financial power of attorney, court appointed guardian, conservator trustee, and personal rep. So it takes caregivers, I call it the A to Z of caregiving, right? You're thrown into this, you don't know what you're doing. How do you manage the family relationships? Kind of what we were talking about before. How do you have the conversations, talk about expectations and all the things you're uncomfortable with? And then how do you start noticing when a parent needs more care? So there's eight modules all on different topics. Um, the one on noticing when a parent needs more care, it's, it's the details. You know, are your parents becoming less able to stand up out of a chair? Can they not walk as far as they used to? These are all things that if you catch them early, they don't necessarily have to progress unless there truly is a medical cause for it. You know, physical therapy, exercises, activity, there's a lot of things that can be done. There's a whole uh, chapter on dementia. There are, it's all video. So it's all webinar based there for people who want to do this as a, like a support group or at a company, there are slides that go along with it. There's outlines, there's linked to articles. It's very thorough because it really is. If you have to do this yourself, how do you take care of your parents and plan for what's ahead? Not only the medical, but the financial needs and, and dealing with the healthcare system, which can be really stressful. Why do you make it available for free? That's your work product. You know, I have done it for so many years that at this point, it's my, I want to say giving back to the community. I mean, I I still speak, I still get paid for things, right? But this is something that I found that caregivers would come to me and they say, where do I go? Where do I turn? I, I can't pay for a course. I can't do this. And I'm like, you know what? Here it is. 
it's all here. It's, it's your time though, because caregivers never have enough time, right? They don't have time to help themselves. They don't have time to investigate. If they will take the time to do this, this can solve a lot of their problems. I'd mentioned uh, the money side and uh, the misconception of what Medicare covers when Medicaid kicks in. Can you walk the new caregiver through that? I can. And it's it's shocking. I'm going to warn people. So Medicare is different from Medicaid and Medicaid, that term differs by state. So in California, it's, it's Medi-Cal or it's the AIM project. It's called long-term care support services in other states. But let's talk about Medicare first. So Medicare is A, B, C, D. There's different letters for it, but basically it's the healthcare services that older adults receive normally after age 65. So it's doctor appointments and things like that. The big thing that it doesn't cover is all of those things we talked about before, like can mom or dad bathe by themselves? Can they make meals? Do they remember to take medications? Uh, you know, all the physical activity things that, that start to become needs when the body gets weak, when people have chronic diseases. So, so the doctor part's covered, the other part is not, and that's what takes all the caregivers' time is all these other things. And so where we run into a problem is that mom or dad's care increases, and maybe the caregiver's working and they need to keep working, but mom or dad need 24-7 care. Well, you know, some caregivers will give up their jobs. I don't usually advise that because then that places them in a financial hardship. But how do you get care for a parent if you can't be there and your parents don't have money to pay for it? So my recommendation very early on is to research Medicaid or Medi-Cal or whatever it's called in your state. Find out the financial qualifications, find out the health qualifications, how long applications take and what it pays for. Because sometimes you really do have to plan ahead for that. Applications can take a long time. There's wait lists for assisted living communities. It's getting harder and harder to access these services if you don't plan early. All right. And so... Medicare isn't covering that long-term care and no. Medicaid requires a spend down. There are, there's, you, know, you can't have too much income, too many assets if you want to have Medicaid pay for that residential care. Right. And I'll give an example. So a caregiver asked me the other week and I created a video. They're like, well, is Medicaid going to take my parents home? Is it going to take everything? So there's a balance here. And, and some kids don't like to hear this, but it's kind of like, you know, the money that your parents earned is their money and it's for their care. I know you may want it for your inheritance, but it really should go for your parents' care, right? And then let's say you have parents living in a home and, and the kids are worried like, oh my God, Medicaid's gonna take the house. Well, that's not necessarily true because let's say that dad needs Medicaid and mom's healthy. Carol, as you mentioned, there are these financial requirements, changes every year, how much money the community spouse can have, you know, what they can own. But basically, if the husband goes on Medicaid, the wife can transfer the house legally into her name only so that Medicaid doesn't take the house, right? Now, if dad dies and mom needs Medicaid, you know, eventually there could be a Medicaid lien on the home, but, but that's kind of down the road. But again, this is why it's important to find out all these details about Medicaid early on so that you know what, what's in store. And who can help you do that? Because most of us really don't have the ability, the time, or the experience to do that research. Right. So the best place to go is your state Medicaid managed care program. Now, it could be your county. It could be an organization. So if you go to them, they can give you an application. They can explain all the details. Sometimes you may need to go and find, so states have what are called pro bono attorney offices. 
where attorneys will volunteer to explain Medicaid to families. But, but a lot of that can be obtained from the long-term care office. And sometimes they'll have courses or online things. Um, you know, there's also a lot of free information on the, on the web, but I would go to the state Medicaid office first or that provider. Carol, you often send folks to the uh, AAA area agency on aging. Can they help here? You know me so well. I was going to add to that. Um, there are benefits counseling programs. Some of them call them SHIP or state health insurance mm-hmm. programs. And they have volunteers that can help walk through those public benefits and kind of point you in the right direction, maybe even direct you to a pro bono attorney who can help organize those finances for you and your, you know, for the loved one that you're caring for. And as you take a look at all of this, Pamela, for the, for the new and the first time caregiver, uh, where do they start? What are the first things they should be doing? Past what we've talked about with the family conversations and the research and all of that, you know, it's really thinking about themselves. And this sounds really selfish, right? But, but this is what does not happen. And so many caregivers will contact me and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for 20 years and I, I can't do it anymore and I'm divorced and I've got no money and I don't know how I'm going to take care of myself. So it's really thinking about how do you find balance if you have this responsibility or this duty to care for your parents and, and talk about that in the family and then, and then make a plan. Okay. So this is where we are today. Mom or dad need this care today. In 12 months, what does it look like? In 24 months, what does it look like? In 36 months, what does it look like? And and really, they need to almost become a medical advocate for their parents. Because we all know when when we're sick or when we don't feel good, or if you have ever been in the hospital, you can't remember things, you don't feel good, you can't talk to the doctors. If caregivers are going to be in this for the long run, they need to learn how to almost be a healthcare advocate or a medical advocate. And that means going to doctor appointments and learning what the diagnosis of their parents is, what medications they're taking, and to ask a lot of questions. There's a lot of intimidation by the medical system, you know, where even the elderly, you know, doctors, God, whatever they say goes, well, you've got to ask questions because the medical system makes mistakes. So it's, it's becoming that medical advocate is kind of the next step. And I, and I tell caregivers, uh, don't be afraid to be the caregiver that asks too many questions uh, because you've got to be able to at least have your questions answered and to line those up ahead of time if you can so that you don't waste time during an appointment. Yes, and that thank you for bringing that up. So in my online program, there is it's called the 555. It's like, how do you prepare for a medical appointment? What information do you need to take? Basically, you're, you're lucky if you get 15 minutes. So the first five is like, what's the problem? What's going on? suggestions from the doctor, and then what are we going to do from here? So you've got to really kind of plan your time in those appointments. And sometimes you may have to schedule, call and say, look, I need two back-to-back appointments because I have more than one thing I need to talk about. You're kind of rushed in and rushed out, so you've really got to get the help that you need and plan for those appointments. What about recording those visits? You'd have to get permission um, from the doctor to do that, but some will allow that. And, And the other thing too is, if you can't physically be there and your parent has a cell phone, do a, a conference call or, or you know, listen to the conversation with the doctor. Get your parents' permission to do that. But, but sometimes it's impossible to show up at a doctor appointment for mom and dad, but that doesn't mean that you can't be on the phone and talk to the doctor with your parents there. I highly recommend that. My father's 92, and I am often, often the voice in the pocket of his phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, and you, that brings another thing. So it's it's the whole, um, so Health Protection Privacy Act, you need to get permission to talk to the doctor from your parents. 
Also make sure that you get, you know, you look at medical power of attorney, financial power of attorney, all of that, because if your parents can't eventually pay their bills or they need somebody to make medical decisions, if you're that caregiver, you're the most likely person to be able to do that. So you should plan ahead for that too. And you say plan ahead, you want to do that before any cognitive issues come up so that it's too late to be designated. I would do that day one when you become the caregiver and you say, mom or dad, if something happens to you, do you have your documents done? And if they don't, then, you know, download a form from the internet, get an attorney, however you want to do that, but get those documents in place because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. You know, we could get hit by a car and we're going to need somebody to help us and make decisions for us. Well, before we run out of time, you have a wonderful website. You've got those courses. Where do people find you? You know, they find me, a lot of people find me on YouTube, believe it or not. I have a YouTube channel. It's Pamela D. Wilson. It's caregiving expert. I have, I think I'm going on 200, maybe 300 videos on there. I do a couple of videos a week that respond to caregiving questions. I also have a podcast. It's called the caring generation. So people mainly find me by saying, you know, I'm a stressed caregiver. How do I find help? But, but a lot of that help is on my website. And give us the address for your website again. It's my name. So it's Pamela D. Wilson.com. And I also have a um, Facebook caregiver support group. It's private. It's called the caregiving trap. You can request to join. There's people from all over the world, all ages, Perfect. married parents there. Got to stop you right there. Flat out of time. Pamela Wilson. Thank you so much. Learned a lot. And for our co-host, Carol Zerniel, thank you all for joining us on caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk soon. Executive producers for caregiver SOS on air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Come into Bell Tire today. You'll get the lowest tire price, period. Like $70 off a set of four Michelin tires. You'll also get a guy who will give you free lifetime flat repairs, tire rotations, and alignment checks. Get $70 off a set of four Michelin tires, plus more free services and more out of your tires and more for your money. It's how we make the lowest tire price feel even lower at Bell Tire. See store and belltire.com for details and offer expiration.